everybody. How are we doing? You all are ready. I love it. I love it. I am so excited to uh, continue our series, As It Is in Heaven. But before I do that, real quickly, I want to talk to the women of the room. Where are my ladies at? Yeah, there you are. There you are. Hey, I want to hang out with you. On Wednesday, April 10th, we are hosting a really cool evening. Uh, Eden is sponsoring an event for women. Uh, two of my friends, uh, author, uh, writer Jenny Allen is going to be here, and worship leader Christy Knuckles. Uh, they're incredible. They're awesome, awesome ladies. Uh, and we want to sponsor an evening for you. And so I want you to come. I want you to be a part of this. Uh, in fact, the first 10 women in this service that sign up, that buy a ticket. We've got a gift for you out at guest services today. But listen, we do not want resources to ever stand in the way here at Soul City. That is always. Uh, But specifically for this, uh, if you want to be a part of this but just don't have the resources to do it, we'd love for you to sign up for our volunteer team. Uh, Be a part of that and you can come for free. So Wednesday, April 10th, I will see you there, ladies. It's going to be a great, great night. All right, well, I am continuing our series, As It Is in Heaven, and we are going to be looking at prayer today, and I figure you cannot give a message on prayer unless you start in prayer. It's just, it's really bad uh, unless you do that, and so I would love to ask you uh, to pray with me, and then we will dive in. Jesus, I thank you. That we can come to you just as we are. You see us, you receive us. And I simply want to pray, Jesus, uh, how you taught us to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's my deepest heart's desire, God. Your will to be done here today. That you would move just as you need to in each of our lives. I trust you. And I am praying in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you. I've loved this series that we are in because to know something about me is to know that I really do long uh, for my life here on earth to be a response to the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray as it is in heaven. I want my earthly life to reflect what I believe my heavenly life will look like. Um, I I so long for that to be true in my life. And so today what we're going to look at is what does the role of prayer play in that? Like when Jesus says, here's how I want you to pray as it is in heaven, what does the role of prayer look like in our lives here on earth as we try to live lives as it is in heaven? So I want to look at prayer today. And I want to start by making a really, uh, I think, generous but honest assumption. Uh, I think that it's safe for me to assume that no one here uh, or anyone listening online would say that they think prayer is bad. Feels like a pretty safe assumption to make, especially in church, right? I don't think anybody would say, yeah, I think prayer is really, really bad. Uh, You know, prayer to me is almost like uh, how we feel about taking vitamins or eating vegetables or drinking water. Most of us would agree it's a really good thing to do. You know, in my 20 years of being a pastor, uh, anytime I've asked somebody, hey, can I pray for you? No one has ever said to me, that is a really bad idea. No one has ever refused 
prayer, in my experience. And most of us, I think we would say we believe that prayer is good. It is a good thing in our lives. You've probably used the prayer emoji at some point uh, as you were texting someone. And with most of us actually really believing that prayer is a good thing, then I wonder why is it that we have so much shame, so much confusion, and so many questions when it comes to prayer. I mean, do you have questions when it comes to prayer? I know I do. And while I can't answer every single one of our questions today, I can promise you this, that if you change the way you pray, it will change the way you live. That if you change the way you pray, it will change the way you live. That is because the way we pray changes the way we live. It's just true. The way we pray, if we pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray, it changes the way we live. And while we may not know everything about prayer, Jesus was incredibly clear in teaching us that the way we pray, it will change our everyday, ordinary lives. But learning how to do it, it takes practice. It takes practice. I will never forget when I was in college, I actually went to a Christian college and one evening we were uh, hanging out in the dining hall and a bunch of us were there and we were eating dinner together and somebody said, hey, does somebody want to pray for our meal? And I said, oh, I'll do it. I'll pray for our meal. And so, you know, all of us that were gathered around the table, we bowed our heads and we prayed and I just prayed a simple prayer, you know, and asked God to, you know, bless our meal. And then I said, amen. And we all lifted our heads. And my friend Amy um, was there at the table and she said, Jeannie, that was a really incredible prayer. Did you learn that in prayer 101? (laughs) And I was like kind of taken back by what she said. And I was like, what are you talking about? Prayer 101? Is Is there a class Like that here? What kind of freaking school do I go to, right? You know, I mean, this is what's running through my head, you know? And and she says, oh, yeah, you didn't know about this? Everyone has to take prayer 101. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I cannot believe that we have to take a class called prayer 101. She says, yeah, it's actually really helpful. You know, they teach you the exact way to pray before a meal. They teach you exactly how to pray before, you know, you're leading a Bible study. If you ever become, you know, a pastor or a leader in the church and you have to pray in front of people, they teach you how to pray in front of people. And, you know, they teach you how to pray with children and how to pray if somebody's sick. And, you know, and at the end, you take this final and they kind of rate the effectiveness of your prayers. And I'm literally sitting at this table and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, how do I get out of this school? This is, un- this is unreal because I know that prayer is just a conversation with God. I can't believe that they would have us go through a class to, to train us how to, to pray and how to have a conversation with God. And she's like, you know, I, I see that you're frustrated. I, I see that you're kind of confused. Do you want me to, to teach you one of the prayers that they taught us? I'm like, I guess. I, I mean, I, sure. So everybody around the table bows their head, and she's like, dear God, thank you for our sweet sister Jeannie. Lord, we know she is so very gullible, and we pray that you would help her not to believe every single thing she hears. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, and everybody starts laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that to me. You know, friends, it, it's crazy at Christian colleges. The things that happen there, I mean, parents should be worried, right? Um, but the funny thing about that moment is that I think that many of us think I missed Prayer 101. I think I missed the class. Like, how, how do you talk to God? What do you say? How do you say it? Am I supposed to use more words like thou or thee? Or, or when somebody asks me to pray, you know, like I'm the one that's to pray for the group. Like, how do I even do that? And when we feel like that, we are not alone in that emotion. Do you know that the disciples, they went to Jesus and they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? We are not alone. The disciples even had questions around how prayer worked. A couple days ago, I, I posted a question online and I said, you know, what are the biggest questions and struggles that you have with prayer? And I was amazed at the amount of responses that I got. We have so many questions, so many concerns, so many, I don't get this. So many people saying things like, like how do I even begin to pray? Where do I start? What do I say to God, especially if you're new to prayer? What do I do when kind of the, the bottom has dropped out in life and life has gotten hard and I don't actually feel like talking to God? What do I do then? And how do I deal with the fact that when it comes to prayer, sometimes I can't even get over the hurdle to start praying because I feel so guilty because I haven't been praying? And like, how do I even know what enough prayer is? Like, is there a quota that we have to get to, you know, in our lifetime? And how do I even know if God actually hears me? I don't know about you, but I have had every one of those thoughts. I've had every one of those questions in my life. And regardless of whether you have a lot or a little experience with prayer, most of us I think when we come to God in prayer, we come with our preference of what it is that we want God to do. We come believing in a little way that our job is to persuade God to change his mind on something. In fact, if you've ever heard someone give a prayer request, they almost always communicate the request and how they want God to answer the prayer, right? It reminds me of the kid who prayed, God, Please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I will do better in school, right? It, I mean, it's like it, the child is like, God, here's how I want you to answer my prayer. We tend to make the request while also offering God the solution. And it, it's, it's natural for us to do this. I think God receives us when we do this. I don't think he shuns us or shames us when we do this, but so many of us, this is how we come to God in prayer. If someone's sick, we say, God, what you're supposed to do is heal the person. If someone's struggling, God, what you're supposed to do is take away the struggle. If someone needs a, a job, we say, God, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to provide the job. I did this literally last night. 
I've been struggling with this message all week long and, and struggling, God, what is it that you most want me to say about prayer? And we'd just eaten dinner as a family and, and you know, I'm, I'm there with Elijah and Gigi and Jarrett and I was like, you guys, I am really, really struggling with my message tomorrow. Would, would you pray for me and would you pray that God makes it really clear what it is that I'm supposed to say, that the struggle would be gone and that I would actually effectively communicate God's heart on prayer? And so Elijah's like, Mom, I'll pray for you totally. I got you. And so they circle around me and Elijah's like, God, would you help Mom stop stressing out about this message? <laughs> Help her chill out, God, and help her know she's going to give the best message ever on prayer. Amen. Amen. So no pressure. I'm supposed to give the best message ever on prayer today, right? But many of us, we have developed a way of telling God how to do his job. And I believe God actually loves when we come to him with all of who we are, preferences and all. And I love to pursue God passionately and bring my desires to him. And scripture says that he welcomes us this way. God clearly says in his word that we're to make our requests known, that we should pray bold prayers, that we should ask God to do the impossible, to pray as it is in heaven, kinds of prayers. But many of us, we have started telling God how to do his job. And asking God to move is much different than telling him how to move. Asking God to move is really different from telling him, here's how you're supposed to move. It's because prayer is not how we change God's mind. Prayer is how God changes our heart. I think so many of us, we, we've locked prayer into this space and this place where, oh, this is where I go and I convince God that I need to change his mind. Prayer is not how we change God's mind. Prayer is how God changes our heart. Friends, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't need changing. He's doing fine as he is. The character of God is good. The heart of God is kind. The motives of God are pure. We don't need to change God in prayer. Prayer is where God changes us. Prayer is where God changes us. It's like the birthplace of transformation. It's the genesis of change. It's how God brings as it is in heaven here to the earth. I love how Richard Rohr says it. He says, prayer is not about changing God, but being willing to let God change us. And that's what happens in prayer. And so I want to look at how it is that Jesus taught us how to pray. So I want you to actually grab your Bible, open up to Matthew 6. It's found on page 787. And we're going to look at probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may have grown up hearing it as the Our Father. How many of you grew up saying this prayer, reciting this prayer, uh, pleading this prayer maybe before a football game? How many of you are like uh, that last part, you know, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever? Did we make that up? Did Jesus make that up? Like, is it in there? Is it not? Yeah, most of us have grown up in some way, shape, or form hearing this prayer. 
And I actually believe that Jesus modeled this prayer so that we could practice how it is to come to God in prayer. And actually to start, what I want to do is I want us to, to say this prayer, to, to pray this prayer together. So it's going to come up on the screen. Um, I'll say the first phrase and then we'll begin together with our Father. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. I want to walk through this prayer because I believe that he gives us four movements to practice in this prayer that will transform how we live. Now, I love how Jesus starts. He boldly says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love that Jesus starts so personal. He says, our Father. The translation of this is actually Daddy. Daddy, I come before you. My Daddy. It's so personal, right? It's so intimate. And this is how Jesus begins his prayer. He comes intimately to God. But then I love, in the very next phrase, he says, hallowed be your name. It's God not just personal, but God is powerful too. He's my personal father. He's my daddy. But he is powerful. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed, it's not a word that we tend to use, right? When was the last time that you were like, Hallowed is your name, right? You, you probably don't use that word. It just simply means sacred or holy. And Jesus in this moment is saying, I want you to recognize who God is and who you are in light of God. I love what Anne Lamott says when she says, the difference between you and God is that God never thinks he's you. <laughs> you get that? <laughs> the difference between you and God is God has never once thought that he is you. And, and in the beginning of Jesus' prayer, we make clear who we're talking to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are God. You are Father. You are powerful. You are all-knowing. You are the beginning and the end. You are wise and perfect. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is in you that I put my trust. And then he goes on and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus knew God's kingdom is an upside-down kind of kingdom. God's will and his ways are so much higher than our will and our ways. And this first part of Jesus' prayer ultimately teaches us to pray the prayer, Jesus, release my will. Jesus, release my will. And this is one of the most difficult things to do in prayer. I will be honest with you. I have a plan for my life, and I like my plan. It's a very good plan. (laughs) 
How many of you have a plan for your life and you are just waiting for God to catch up to that plan for your life? What Jesus models to us in this moment, Jesus, your plan is better than my plan. Your way is better than my way. Your will is better than my will. Jesus, help me release my will. And this is one of the most difficult things to do in prayer. And saying your will be done, often it feels so risky and it feels so dangerous because it's like, I don't know if that will is going to be good. I don't know what that means. And ultimately, when we pray that prayer, we are praying the prayer of surrender. And Jesus teaches that this is how you begin to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, release my will. You know, you, you can't go too many pages throughout this book not seeing somebody that had to pray the prayer, release my will. Every person that has been formed in the image of God has had to pray the prayer, Jesus, release my will. Abraham released his son Isaac. Moses released his desire for Israel. Mary released control over her future. Paul released control over what his career was going to look like. Jesus himself prayed the prayer in the garden, your will be done, not mine. Your will be done. Jesus himself released his body to the cross for your sins and mine. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And each of these people in scripture, they chose to pray this prayer. Your will be done. And this is the first movement that Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus, would you help me release my will? Would you help me release my will? It's literally that simple of a prayer. Jesus, man, I got a lot of plans. Man, I got a lot of things that I want to have happen. Man, I want you to move this way in my life. Gosh, I really would like this amount of money in my bank account. But Jesus, release my will. Release my will. And I know that there are so many of you, and you are praying these kinds of prayers, and it is hard to pray a prayer of surrender. You long for someone to come into your life and to to have a close relationship. And it's hard to pray, I release my will. Maybe it's with a job. Maybe it's with your finances or with other family members or, or with health concerns. And it's so hard to say, Jesus, I release my will to you. I know I am praying these kinds of prayers in my own life right now. And I struggle I struggle with surrender. I I confess that to you. I I struggle to surrender my will over to the will of Jesus. Things that I'm praying for my family. Things that I'm praying for my kids and and where they're supposed to go to high school in this city and what we're supposed to do. And and God, I I don't know. I'm going to release my will to you. Things that I'm praying for this church. I release my will to you. And this is the first movement of prayer. It's the prayer of surrender. And Jesus goes on and he says, give us today our daily bread. I love that Jesus brings carbs into the prayer. (laughs) 
And Jesus, what he does in this moment is he only went to the Father for the needs of that day. He wasn't concerned about tomorrow. He wasn't concerned about the next day. He did not say, give me today my daily bread and maybe even some backup bread for tomorrow in case you run out, Lord. God knows what we need and when we need it. He knows our daily needs. And Jesus models this to us because what Jesus is doing is he is modeling that he trusts the Father. He trusts the Father in this moment. And essentially, the second act of prayer is Jesus says, restore my trust. Restore my trust. Restore to me that you know what I need. You know the daily bread that I need each day. He reminds us that he is enough and that we have enough. And he reminds us in prayer that we can release all of the ways that we are so tempted to borrow future possibilities and make them our present realities. All of the ways that we worry about the bread for tomorrow and it causes stress. It causes anxiety. It causes so much fear to well up in our lives because we're thinking about the bread of tomorrow. And Jesus says, pray for the daily bread. Pray for the daily bread. And in prayer, we get to be reminded of the truth of Psalm 4610, that all we have to do is be still and know that he is God. And I don't know about you, but this is a big one for me in prayer because I have learned how to hustle for my enoughness. I mean, I have become a professional at trying to figure out how to be enough, how to do enough, how to be enough, how to have enough. And and maybe this is true in your life. And in this very simple phrase, give us today our daily bread, restore my trust. We simply say, you're enough. You're enough. I don't need to work for my enoughness. That's the second, second act, second movement of prayer. Jesus, restore my trust. The third movement of Jesus' prayer is when he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Maybe you grew up uh, saying the word trespasses, right? A bunch of trespassers. Help us forgive those <laughs> trespassers, right? Um, Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus was obviously without sin. He's the son, perfect son of God, but he modeled a posture of confessing sin and seeking forgiveness from the Father. He models the prayer that we can pray, Jesus, remove my sin. Jesus, would you, would you remove my sin? And Jesus taught that we can go directly to God to receive the forgiveness that we so desperately need. And he added an important and powerful phrase here. He said, as we also have forgiven. See, what Jesus does here is, is he drops an assumption that just as we are free to ask for forgiveness from God, we are also free to offer forgiveness to others, those that sin against us. Do you know that it is almost impossible to pray for somebody that you have not forgiven? Jesus knows this. 
He knows that when we come to him and prayer and we have a lack of forgiveness between us and another person, it's really hard to pray authentically for that person when you are in unforgiveness with them. Someone maybe that you're holding a grudge against, someone that you have a broken relationship with. And Jesus knows this, and I believe this is why he invites us in prayer to ask, Jesus, would you remove my sin? Would you remove my sin? Can you imagine the feeling of freedom for you to have a practice of prayer each night as you scan through your day you think about the areas where maybe somebody offended you, where you experienced hurt, where there was a, a brokenness in a relationship, and you just walked through, God, would you help me forgive that person? Would you help me forgive myself? And, and Jesus shows us that forgiveness is what leads us to freedom. Jesus, remove my sin. I wonder how many of us are being held up or held back in our own connection with God in prayer because we are holding on to unforgiveness. And it's possible that you only came to church today and you don't need to hear one other sentence or syllable I say in this sermon. But there is a lack of of forgiveness in your life. There is unforgiveness. And it is a block in your relationship with God. And God is saying, I want to lead you into freedom. I don't want this unforgiveness to hold you back in your life. I've seen this in my own life. When I hold on to things in the past or I hold on to ways that I've been hurt or I, I recycle old stories in my mind. I'm the one that's locked up. I'm the one that's not free. Forgiveness is what sets us free. And I wonder if the whole reason you came today is to just be reminded of the powerful act of forgiveness, the forgiveness that was offered to you through Jesus and the forgiveness he invites us to offer to one another. And Jesus invites us in this third act to pray, would you remove my sin? Would you remove my sin? And then finally, the final movement of Jesus' prayer is when he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus closed his prayer asking for protection, asking for renewal from all of the temptations that happen in this world. Now, it's important to note that God is not the one that leads us into temptation, but I want you to know there is a very real evil one that does. There's a very real evil one that is constantly plotting for your heart and your mind and your soul to lead us into temptation. And life is like this endless set of choices, an endless set of temptations. They are all around us every single day. There's the temptations to lie, the temptation to gossip or to slander, the temptation to sleep with someone that is not your wife or your husband, the temptation to hoard your resources, the temptation to abuse substances, and then there are those subtle temptations. They almost kind of go with us everywhere we go. 
And they equally can destroy our lives, the temptation to numb out on your phone or your computer. Just kind of going off into some kind of world in your mind that ends up isolating you from relationship and connection. The temptation to play small and to keep yourself from using the gifts that God has given to you. The temptation to just kind of say, well, God, I mean, why, why do you need one more voice in this world? <laughs> Looks like they've got it fine. The temptation to compare your interior life to everyone else's exterior life. You look at your interior life and then you look at everybody's highlight reel and you're like, clearly I suck. <laughs> and that temptation, it constantly keeps you from connection with God. And the invitation of Jesus as he closes this prayer is to say, Jesus, would you keep me from temptation? Would you deliver me from temptation? Would you renew? Would you restore? Would you bring about new life? And this is the final act when, when Jesus teaches us to pray, Jesus, renew my life. Renew my life, my joy and my hope. And would you renew my possibilities? Would you renew my past? Jesus, would you renew my life? And these are the movements of the Lord's Prayer. Release my will, restore my trust, remove my sin, and renew my life. You know, why would Jesus go to such great lengths to teach us how to pray? Why does it matter so much? Why does he so long for us to be in an intimate connection with God? I believe that Jesus teaches us to, to pray this way because he knows that the content of your prayers reveals the concept of your God. The content of your prayers reveals the concept of your God. Small prayers, small God. Small prayers, small God. Prayers that say, restore me, renew me, remove sin from my life, release me from my will. Is saying, God, I believe you're capable of doing that. That you are a big God. That you teach us in your word to say to a mountain, mountain move, and you will move the mountain. And so many of us, we only pray hoping God will change the circumstances of our lives. Prayer is powerful. It's effective. And I often believe that what God wants to change and what God wants to move when we pray is us. He wants to change you. He wants to move in your life. And as we practice prayer, we somehow begin to shift and, and, and we start to change the way that we pray. And, and, pray. And, and what ends up happening is we start realizing that prayer is not always the place where we go to God to fix our problems. It's the place where he gives us perspective on our problems. That, that, that we don't just come to God with, with every problem on our, our heart and our mind and our soul. And God says, bring those to me. He doesn't shame us for bringing those to him. 
But he says, I want to shift how you see those. I want to change your perspective. And when we begin to practice prayer, friends, he does it. He changes us. He starts shifting how we see things. We move from from struggling to releasing our problems. Our hearts start to change. Our attitude starts to change. We begin to live in the direction of our prayers. How we feel about people starts to change. How we perceive even things that have happened to us start to change. And through the practice of prayer, we begin to realize God never needed changing. But he changes us through it. He changes us through it. And all of this happens through the practice of prayer. And I have been practicing prayer for a long time, since Prayer 101. (laughs) And I'm really far from being an expert in it. And there are still so many mysteries to me when it comes to prayer. But I can tell you, I can point to the transformation in my life I can point to the changes that God has done in my life and I can take you back to prayer. I can take you back to prayer all the way down to this week as I prayed through this message, as I prayed through the words that I so longed for God to give me to bring to you. And I put all kinds of pressure on myself and all kinds of stress that it needed to be a a message where there would be breakthrough in prayer, that revival would break out. And God just reminded me, Jeannie, I do the breakthrough. You could literally stand up there and babble words. I do the breakthrough. I do the transformation. I'm the one that moves in someone's life. I'm the one that invites them to release their will. I'm the one that says, I want you to restore your trust in me. I'm the one that says, as far as the east is from the west, I can actually blot out your sin. I can make you whiter than snow. Jesus is the one that says, I invite you into the prayer of removing sin. And Jesus is the one that says, I've invited you to pray the prayer, renew my life. And he reminded me just this week, he's the one with all the power. And he moves in prayer. So it'd be really silly for me to continue to give you a message on prayer and not practice it. So I want to invite us into a moment to practice these movements of prayer, to come before our Father in heaven hallowed be his name and to pray through these movements of prayer and so maybe for you you just want to put something down open up your hands that's our posture of prayer here at soul city and just open up your hands to him you know what i i love the scriptures say in the same way that the spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what we even should pray for the spirit himself intercedes for us even through our wordless groans you could make Wordless groans for the next four minutes. And Jesus hears you. Here's your heart. Here's what's going on inside of you. So I want to lead us through a time of prayer. It's hard to mess prayer up. 
So I just want to invite you to be your full, authentic self before God right now. I'm going to lead us through these four movements of prayer. And so Jesus, we come before you right now. We come before you, Father. We come before you, Spirit. And so much of us is clinging to our own will. And so would you help us in our own words, even right now, just to to release my will to you. And so I just invite you to, to pray a prayer of releasing to the Father right now. Maybe it's in a relationship, maybe it's with your finances, maybe it's with your health. Jesus, I release my will to you. And Lord, we come before you and we ask, would you restore our trust? We can become so self-sufficient, so dependent on our, our own enoughness. We can get stuck in worry. We can get stuck in doubt. We can think about all of the, the bread for tomorrow and the next week and the next month. Jesus, would you remind us to restore our trust in you. So just pray whatever that is for you right now to ask Jesus to restore your trust. And Lord, we pray and we say thank you for your unbelievable forgiveness and we ask that you would remove my sin. Jesus, you tell us that nothing separates us from the love of the Father that we find in Christ Jesus. And so, Jesus, we need your forgiveness and would you give us the grace and the strength to offer that same forgiveness that's been offered to us. I want to invite you to pray through the prayer, remove my sin. And finally, Jesus, we pray that you would give us strength for the temptations that come, that you would renew us, that you would renew my life. that you would hold us up, that we would walk in step with the Spirit. So when I invite you to pray the prayer, renew my life, Lord. And Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you that you actually love us so much that you taught us how to pray. You taught us how to be in intimate relationship and connection with you. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you for the freedom that you are in bringing into this room right now. I want to thank you 
for the ways that you are releasing our will and restoring our trust and removing our sin and renewing our lives. And Jesus, we pray that you would change the atmosphere of our lives as we walk in a posture of prayer, as we walk in the practice of prayer. And I pray that the evidence of being in connection with you, that the evidence of being in union with you, the evidence of being in vital relationship with you, God, would overflow in our lives. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen.